Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hello, podcast listeners. You're probably confused right now that like I'm a, like I'm a singer. No, I'm not a singer. I am your podcast host, Al Martin here. Thank you for joining us. Hope everyone is extremely well in podcast land, and thank you for listening. The topic we have today for you is AI. We always have data, right? And the foundation or entrepreneurship in tech companies. It's going to be a good discussion. Today, I have Dr. Eric Daimler with me. Eric is an authority in artificial intelligence. He's got over 20 years experience in the field. He leads MIT's first ever spin out from its math department, and he has co-founded six technology companies that have pioneered work in fields ranging from software systems to statistical arbitrage. As a presidential innovation fellow during the Obama administration, Eric helped drive the agenda for U.S. leadership and research, commercialization, and public adoption of AI. He's everything. I think you're everything, right? Entrepreneur, executive, investor, technologist, policy advisor, author of a new book. I think it's The Coming Composability, The Roadmap for Using Technology to Solve Society's Biggest Problems. And then on his copious spare time, copious spare time, he serves as assistant dean and associate professor of software engineering in Carnegie Mellon School of Computer Science. There he focuses on the intersection of machine learning, computational linguistics, and network science. What about the definition of success when you're, you're with the government helping drive the agenda? Right. What I did and had the, the great privilege of doing is speaking uh, uh, on behalf uh, of the president, humbly, humbly, uh, speaking on behalf of the president, on, on what uh, uh, we wanted to accomplish uh, across the executive. Uh, uh, I most often worked with the Defense Department. I think some of the things that I can say uh, uh, at a high level uh, were around determining the points at which uh, we could detect uh, uh, foreign influence in any one of the suppliers that might make up a, a, a system that is integral to the functioning uh, of the U.S. government. That's that's something that again bipartisan everybody can get behind, uh, and that is uh, that was an important uh, uh, that was an important part of the job. Other other jobs that related to AI uh, that I had the good fortune of being involved in were around uh, next generation air traffic control uh, and uh, uh, also in health and human services around uh, and in veterans affairs in building uh, working with, excuse me, medical robots and the, the choices we'd have to make around collaborative robotics in those applications. We want to coordinate the, the spend uh, from uh, the U.S. government across those initiatives. You know, towards that end, uh, uh, the, the meetings we would have, have had been expressed in publicly available documents that are still excellent and they're available on the, the White House archive uh, that uh, define some of the goals uh, uh, that we set out for the for the federal government. I'd say since then, uh, uh, something that we can say is that the, uh, the the that office, the colloquial science advisory group, now has a dedicated AI office uh, 
uh, uh, you know, I know the people in that group and lead that group, and they're they're first rate. Uh, so I'm really, uh, I think all of us can be really happy uh, and even proud to have that uh, leadership uh, and that that leadership elevated uh, within the executive to uh, uh, to give the president visibility on uh, uh, continuing to maintain leadership. Uh, in this very what happens is Obama call you up and say, Eric, you got to be part of the team, man. Come on up. We're going to work together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, d- not- just to be clear, I'm not, I wasn't in the cabinet. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't even close to the cabinet. So okay, okay. Yeah, that's not me. And, and no, I, I, as much as re, uh, uh, as much as respect as I had uh, for President Obama. Um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, we, we were not beer buddies. Uh, uh, I would love to be a beer buddy with President Obama. I don't think he would consider yeah, me well. to be uh, uh, one of his beer Give buddies. it time. Give it time. Yeah. Hey, I got one more question on that, though. Um, you mentioned, look, we're the research in AI world leader. Good to know. The concern that I would have is China in that um, do they stand to position themselves as maybe not the research leader, but in practical implementation of AI, can they or have they taken the lead? And the reason I ask that is because they may have the largest corpus of data to deal with. That gives them a lot more information to make decisions off of. Now, on the other side, back to your earlier thing, well, that could also be, I guess, a detriment if they don't know how to organize that data and get it get it set up for AI use. But is it a worry? So the the concern that China is just creating a lot of data it may not be the right place to look. You know, the current discipline of data science has been uh, distorted by everybody getting the memo of collecting more data because mm-hmm. the expression often shows up as an executive uh, asking for some magic to be had uh, with this collection of data. The, the data scientists can often push back. No, I don't. I can't get anything out of this. And they'll say, well, great. Why don't I give you more data? You know, that's not the answer. Uh, you know, I'm not going to find a needle in the haystack if you then give me two haystacks. It's like, it's a, and, and, uh, you know, and, and the, what the, there's some comic, I think it was in XKCD, perhaps, where you know, the, the person's in there, you know, stirring, uh, stirring with their pitchfork, the big haystack. And, and they'll just, they'll, they'll, they, could, they said something the equivalent of, uh, well, if I just stir the haystack some more, I'll, I'll give you some interesting conclusions. You know what? So uh, more data isn't necessarily going to be the problem. It's how we put this into use. It's how we collaborate among our allies. It's how we coordinate among broader society in how to express AI in practical, I'll say commercial, but it also applies to government applications. That's the place... I think we would all benefit by focusing uh, our energies, focusing our. Uh, but does China? I mean, do, what what is there a worry with you on China, or you say no? No, I don't. I don't. I don't concern myself with that. I have quite a few concerns uh, about about China uh, in many many different uh, uh, vectors and uh, uh, in, in, uh, technology vectors, right? Many different yeah. areas around around technology. Uh, uh, and I, so I can't say that it is uh, not a concern. I'm trying to just focus on yeah. what is actually actionable uh, mm-hmm. for us. So what is actually actionable for us? Where we can demonstrate leadership in, in America and in Western society is in focusing on how we apply AI. That is some advantage we have in having a more collaborative 
uh, a, a collaborative conversation about how we want to put this data to uh, to use to have people embrace it. It's not about uh, uh, just having the sexiest deep learning algorithms, which are fantastic. It's about how we then actually work with these technologies. You know, related to this is the idea of general uh, AI, you know, the consciousness about AI that some people have a concern or around uh, the jobs that, that can get uh, uh, replaced uh, uh, through AI. Many of those problems can't be completely uh, addressed, but we can at least take productive action in those regards by clearly thinking how we want technology to be applied, creating the circuit breakers around when we want people to be involved. We started in our conversation talking about snow with automated cars. That'd be an example of a circuit breaker where we need human mm -hmm. intervention. Talking more about those circuit breakers uh, is super helpful, both for jobs and for safety uh, and, and AI consciousness. Also talking about data lineage and data provenance. Where did the data come from? You know, how was it processed? either in uh, a clear, transparent way or in a zero knowledge proof through a black box, if that's uh, what we determine is appropriate. And then, you know, coordinating uh, with the, 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 the European Union uh, and other allies uh, on how we want these algorithms uh, to show up is, is part of how we can address uh, many of these concerns. Uh, from the threats from China and just the threats we have from people resisting uh, interesting and life-saving technology. What would you rather discuss? You're the guest, so would you rather ch discuss your current company, Conexus, or the forthcoming book, The Coming Composability? Oh, they're, they're, they're complementary, so we could, we could do either one. All right, complementary. So you started like six companies. Why six? I mean, you keep finding gaps of where, oh, this needs to be solved, this needs to be solved, and you create this and then move on. And then second part of the question is, all right, Conexus is the, is the company of choice today. Can you tell me about what it does and, and the problems that it solves? Sure. You know, if I looked back, and this isn't necessarily how I planned it, uh, <laughs> I was just really fortunate to have a, a, a series of, of happy accidents between uh, terrific business partners and a highly scientific, I guess, or highly sophisticated uh, technical problem. Uh, that's generally just where I found a, uh, a mix of my uh, interest, uh, my intellectual interest and uh, my ability to provide some value. So that's, a, that's the commonality. That's the thread uh, between everything that I have done. What I am doing currently is working with to have the Institute tell it, uh, MIT's first uh, spin out from their math department ever. And that, that presents its own set of challenges. The, the Did terrific- Did get tired of dealing with you? Just say, hey, Eric, you're out. Get, go get something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but I get- <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd say I, I would be the, the reject in the math department because <laughs> I, I, I like whiteboards and they like blackboards. They're, they are uh, almost religious about their use of blackboards. It's really, <laughs> it's really quite funny. One of my- one of my business partners, uh, uh, he he really doesn't even he didn't even like using computers as much as I think he liked using blackboards. But these people have a <laughs> a, a level of 
of knowledge and intelligence and, and a work ethic that is uh, continues to inspire. Uh, I, I think that this, uh, uh, this effort around this math is, uh, is something we will see uh, more and more in the coming uh, 10 to 20 years. You know, think of how long the, the framework for computers uh, based on logic has persisted. With this new framework uh, around composability, uh, we're entering that new epoch. To distinguish uh, composability for a moment, uh, we can think of uh, modularity. Often people will think of Lego blocks uh, <laughs> that I still enjoy. Uh, Lego blocks are terrific in, in giving examples of modularity. An easier one, uh, like Lego blocks, is a train. You know, you can swap in and out boxcars as much as you'd like. That's a type of modularity. Shipping containers can be another one. The issue about uh, trains is that they can only go so long. You can only have them, I think, just a, a couple of miles uh, long before they, they, uh, they start to lose effectiveness and you need to stop. Different than a train is the train system. For a train system, at any particular time, that can grow infinitely large. At any point in time, at any place, at any, at any, inf at any junction, you can grow the train system infinitely in any, uh, in any two-dimensional direction. That's, that's a difference between modularity and composability. Many mm -hmm. systems around us are emerging in their compositionality. Uh, at smart contracts are a good one. Quantum computers are another one. What happens with uh, this math is we have to be able to analyze for effectiveness these increasingly complex systems. And when we have scale, we have complexity. So this is going to become more and more a part of our world. What Connexus does, what my firm Connexus does, is we just apply this to databases. That's all. We just apply that math and we apply, we apply the concepts of compo uh, compositionality uh, to databases. So whether it's 300,000 databases or whether it's the hospital system in New York that has a, a, a dozen or so databases using different definitions of diabetes, uh, or it's a financial services company uh, with whom we work that has a risk management function that uh, finds it difficult to bring in databases from across the company on data that they've already spent resources collecting, uh, bringing those databases to uh, one system in a definitively reliably, a definitively reliable way, uh, without gar guaranteed to be absent of mutations. Uh, that is provided by uh, categorical algebra, uh, and for databases, that's uh, that's what Connexus provides. So, just to be clear on that, you're, you're, this is essentially data consolidation, integration, uh, lineage. Um, what what is your your secret sauce that you could say, <laughs> what differentiate you from other companies doing integration, governance, cleansing? Yeah, in the broad sense, data integration is the domain. That's a very big uh, uh, industry, we can call it, yeah. uh, that consumes uh, uh, tens of billions of dollars uh, each year. And that's, that's maybe too big to talk about uh, by itself. What we do, what Connexus does, Connexus automates a big portion of the data engineering task that often data engineers just don't want to do. Uh, uh, we don't do the data cleaning. That's a precursor 
uh, to any sort of data engineering work uh, that we do. Uh, we don't create, uh, uh, we, we don't actually move bits. Those are complementary and those are uh, uh, really interesting, terrific companies. Uh, what we do is we automate in a way that guarantees the integrity of data, the data transformation, any sort of uh, data between uh, databases. Our, our foundationally a different approach is that we uh, uniquely, and this is like quite, quite unique, uh, uh, literally unique, not figuratively, uh, we can prove uh, that the, 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 the semantics, the meaning uh, of the data and the data relationships, we can guarantee the, the integrity of the data, trans uh, the data and the meaning during transformation. That's fundamentally don't, what don't, connects it us. Isn't, I, I get what you're saying in terms of um, the data relationships. At the same time, you said, "Hey, look, we don't clean the data. That's for somebody else to do to get it right before we jump in." But if we don't, if you don't clean that data, I mean, the lineage doesn't matter when the data is all messed up to begin with. I mean, you walk in and you look at it first and say, "Guys, you got some cleanup to do. Uh, the foundation is not set. I can't build this on sand." Or is there a different way of looking at it? Oh, it's a yeah, it's a great question. No, data cleaning absolutely needs to remain part of the flow of work. Uh, yeah, we don't. We're not magic. We we don't we don't solve the problem or compete against uh, any company such as Data Tamer that does a really good job of of dis disambiguation or entity resolution or any other sort of expression of data cleaning. But we don't do that. Okay. Uh, what we will do, uh, what Connexus does, is uh, guarantee the integrity of data uh, during transformations without ever even looking at the data. Uh, that's what we do. So we will guarantee we will we will be able to identify, for example, uh, any sort of discrepancies uh, between uh, uh, data sets that otherwise uh, needed to have been uh, integrated. We can, uh, uh, without moving bits, uh, uh, bring together multiple databases uh, uh, for analysis. Uh, it's 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 complementary with. Uh, really everything else uh, out there, what we replace uh, is uh, a whole bunch of poor data engineers doing some uh, manual code in Python uh, or in using uh, legacy software such as from Informatica or Ab Initio in many, in many portions uh, of that work. That makes sense. Now in your book, you talk about the coming composability, the roadmap for using technology to solve society's biggest problem, can you, everybody, all our listeners, I guarantee they're heavy readers, they're going to go buy this book. That's the good news for you. Now, what is the two-minute roadmap that you speak of? Yeah, the the issue about uh, composability, and the book will be released in 2023. So, yeah, okay. uh, uh, <laughs> to my publisher's dismay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but it is, uh, uh, the. I, I'm trying to provide a way that people can be interacting instead of just giving them a good idea about uh, what composability will entail uh, in our society. So uh, we talked about expressions of composability being uh, quantum compilers or smart contracts like Ethereum. Those are examples of composability. Minecraft is even an example of composability. Now, if we look at emerging composable systems, a way to get there, a way to recognize it, and a way to participate in, we'll say, the composable economy is to begin to distinguish in the way that engineers, lawyers, accountants are often trained 
to be thinking with greater precision about implicit knowledge becoming explicit. A, uh, an easy way to talk about it is uh, showing one's work. So we all will need to show our work. We can start by thinking in, uh, around heuristics. That sounds like a professor. Yeah. <laughs> we can think about show, uh, developing <laughs> rules of thumb in implicit knowledge. And then be, as we begin to be comfortable with our rules of thumb, begin to put those in more formal structures, call those algorithms if you want. And those algorithms can then become part of larger systems that we then can just forget. They just kind of go by the wayside uh, or you know fade into the background, such as with Minecraft. We can enjoy Minecraft, but we don't really need to be thinking about the complexity of Minecraft that allow this infinite sort of expressiveness inside of it. Another one is maps. You know, the, the sophistication of Google Maps today is really faded into the background, but is, is very hard to distinguish between uh, the Google Maps of today and the mapping technology we had of, I think, was 25 years ago that, that Elon Musk started his first company, which was Zip2, a mapping company. Yeah, yeah. So are you still involved with many of the other companies or is it Connexus today? That's it. I uh, sit on the board of directors of two other companies. Yeah. Uh, I have advising relationships and investing relationships along many, many others. Uh, and I uh, uh, still have uh, informal uh, relationship with, uh, with our government. And I hope to uh, go back and, and uh, be in public service uh, again someday. Public service, I, I presume it doesn't pay as well. My wife pointed out it was uh, uh, in, it, it, that uh, it was the the worst paying job I have ever had uh, in, financially. Financially, it, it, I got a certain reward and satisfaction of yeah, yeah, uh, of yeah. serving the public, but but it, financially, it's uh, it, it's I'd very imagine. tough. So look, yeah, I got three questions left, uh, but anything that I didn't say that you would I would wished I would have asked on Connexus or your forthcoming book. I can mention something about AI regulation, if that'd be helpful. If you yes, think be helpful. please. Yes. Okay. Uh, around e AI uh, regulation, uh, there, there are a couple of ways that uh, we can begin to express our own uh, uh, requirements uh, as a society, because we need to get involved uh, in these conversations uh, around uh, AI. The first one we mentioned a little bit, but it's just worth distinguishing in the context of regulation is circuit breakers. So the, the circuit breakers are a, a critical component of AI regulation because right now what you'll have is you'll have individually motivated pro product managers that will just link automation systems, link AIs, because they can. We want to, as a society, just be thinking about where we want uh, automation uh, to be linked. An example we talked about with snow with autonomous cars, another mm -hmm. one with autonomous cars is as your car rolls towards a crosswalk and it sees uh, uh, something, is it a shadow? Is it a person? Is it a tumbleweed? You know, does mm -hmm. the car uh, slow down, keep going, or come to a complete stop? Those sort of conversations are one that we're going to have to get involved in about where we want human intervention. Call that a circuit breaker. The Makes next... Sense. It is audits. We are getting a huge productivity bump from the implementation of these sophisticated automation technologies, I'll call them. We can discipline ourselves by taking off a portion of that beautiful productivity improvement and just doing an audit. Did your data model do what was intended? You know, uh, 
uh, you can have that be audited audited by people uh, that are going to expert in the experts in the field to be able to audit such things. That can start with the developers or the company separating the data from the data model and then declaring the intention of the data model, and then we'll audit: Did that data model do what was intended? And then the last one is, we talked about this a little, we can demand that these systems have data lineage, that they maintain uh, data lineage. You just saw today the president uh, uh, sign a bill around uh, companies requ being required to disclose when they had a, a material data breach. We need to sign a law requiring companies to uh, maintain data lineage. Where did that data come from? The, let's have hyperlinks all the way down so that we just don't make up information uh, uh, around news or or any any sort of automation systems. Those, so those three things: uh, circuit breakers, audits, uh, data lineage. Those are that's my uh, takeaway advice for all of us to get involved in the in the conversation around AI regulation. If we don't participate as a, as a society, our individual city councils uh, will do some. Uh, tragic things, such as uh, the city of New York somehow uh, re re they introduced a bill in uh, for the mayor to sign in, in in I think it was November or December of 2021. I forget which month where they were going to require employers to uh, disclose to job applicants whether or not they used an automated system uh, to review their resumes. It's it's just the the the, the silliest thing because. Uh, the, the, the definitions of what an automated systems are is uh, and, and how the different ways it could be biased, I, I don't think is really uh, helped by, by just disclosing that there was automation uh, involved. So I agree, we need to have a broader conversation uh, of what sort of regulations we want around these systems. We didn't even talk about bias. A huge concern, I would say, around AI today. I mean, I, but I'll give you a, a minute on that. Anything you want to say to them? I, mean, I think it is a Like in IBM, what we're doing is, is obviously we've, we've got like technology that detects bias, explainability, et cetera, for that reason, to open up the black box. So there is no more magic, but any comments you'd have to that? Bias takes many, many, many forms. Uh, uh, we, we know uh, of bias based on historical data. Uh, uh, and that could be expressed as as gender bias or ethnic bias or a national bias, perhaps uh, a bias that my company Connexus uh, has been acquainted with is in working with companies to integrate their databases to report accurately on their efforts to mitigate uh, climate change or other sort of environmental and social uh, uh, issues. What we find is that there is another type of bias that it goes underreported, we can say, it, which is the presence or absence of data itself. So we will be collecting and helping to integrate data on behalf of Conexus's customers. That data is re more readily available within the developing world, within the US, within Europe, within, within our allies. Uh, but try to collect that data from developing countries that often mm -hmm. have relationships with, with Conexus's customers and it's it's harder to get. That's another type of bias that unfortunately then gets expressed in these reports to investors and customers and other stakeholders of Conexus's clients. So that's a bigger conversation around around bias. 
our efforts to mitigate bias uh, will be directly connected to uh, society's values. And it's important that we all just have a conversation about how we want that, uh, uh, that distortion to be mitigated. But that's what worries me. Uh, different societies have different values, which anyway, causes issues. You had a PhD in computer science, right? Correct. If you were in school today, given all you've, you've started with, you talked about category, uh, categorical algebra, statistics, what would you major in? Or what would you advise those out there that are thinking of the, the computer industry, computer science, or previously computer science? Would you get in statistics? Would you do computer science again? I mean, any advice to the, those that could be in school right now that are going to school? I, 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 I agree with what I said, that we're entering a new epoch in, uh, that is going to be centered around composability. So yeah. I, uh, as, as, one progress, as I progress, I think but it's a general rule, as people progress through computer science, uh, we find ourselves studying math. Uh, more and more. Uh, the, the math of my day was often focused around discrete algebra, uh, uh, discrete mathematics, and, and uh, uh, then morphed into being more about statistics and probability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think today, uh, the math of categorical algebra is uh, becoming clear as the, the next wave. Uh, that's where to be. Composable systems, uh, I think, is, is a great place to be. Fantastic. So look, you're, you're the CEO of Connexus, right? Correct. You seem pretty technical, correct? <laughs> you know where I'm going with this question. How do you do, how do you manage balanced business while keeping your technology chops up to speed? That's very kind of you. That's very kind of you. If you, if you met my co-founders, I think you'd see the problem. Because uh, <laughs> I, uh, that's, it, it, they, they are uh, far beyond me, uh, and, and I am grateful to, to have them as my business partners. I am the least technical. Uh, uh, I, am, I am just uh, being responsible uh, to, uh, to our investors and to our customers and uh, doing, doing, doing what I can. All right, Tori. But so how do you keep, you must keep up to speed. Do they keep you up to speed? Are there things you read? I mean, are you a constant, continual learner? And are there any recommendations on what to read, when to read? Uh, I think there is a, uh, uh, a, a, a lot of terrific places, but perhaps my, uh, my, my go-to would be the Making Data Simple podcast. <laughs> I, that's just a great place yes, to keep current on, uh, on the events of the day. All right. Good answer. I I can't argue with that. Thank you for being here, Eric. This has been very informational. You lived up to the hype. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. (laughs) And all listeners out there, thank you to you as well. Please let us know how we're doing. Reach out to us at almartintalksdata at gmail.com. And we will see you on the podcast. See you all later. Thank you.